Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Fine Margins here on the Hammer Betting Network presented by Betfred Sportsbook. Make sure you check out Betfred for all of your betting needs for the World Cup and for everything else that you might be wagering on. Rob Pizzola, joined by my colleague Alex Moreto at the Hammer and Jacob Gramenya of Amateur Hour Sports. It is Friday. Happy Thanksgiving to all those uh, Americans that just got finished watching U.S. and England. I think you'd be pretty proud of that American performance day. We're going to dig into that today, do a little bit of recap, but not as much as we usually do because we are next on air on Monday at 4.15 Eastern time, which means that there are 12 games between now and then. We are not going to break down every single one, but we will break down the ones that we are most comfortable with from a betting perspective and throw out some bets for the weekend and for Monday's action. All right, guys, let's get right into it. Actually, really quickly, if you're watching on Twitter, that's great. We do appreciate it. If you do want to comment or want to ask us any questions, we won't see those comments in real time. So jump over to the Fine Margins YouTube channel and you'll see the live stream here. Any comments here, we will see in real time. If you are watching on YouTube, please hit that subscribe button. Smash the like if you do enjoy the content as well. Guys, USA, England, I mean... I needed some some smelling salts like while I was watching that game just to keep myself awake. It was uh, a tactical battle, to say the least. Um, not the most exciting matchup, but I thought the U.S. dominated that for you know long portions of the game. And you could make an argument that they should have won that game. Was that a oh, yeah. surprising outcome for you, Jacob? Obviously very surprising. Yesterday on the show... Uh, myself and Paul were pretty adamant about England's attack being too much for the U.S. to handle, and Alex was definitely in agreement here. This was a rare case where Bear, Bearhalter got this one tactically correct. I think for from about 10 minutes into the game until 75 minutes, US completely the U.S. completely dominated England from a tactical perspective, just overwhelmed them. I think England, they're obviously going to be disappointed with a draw. They should feel pretty lucky that they did end up getting the draw here because they were really poor. And unfortunately, the manager, Southgate, was much to blame for that because I was, I'm, me and Alex are very down on Bearhalter. So getting outmanaged by him is, uh, is, quite, is quite something from the English years. So extremely disappointing uh, for the way they played here. But group is still theirs for the taking, fortunately. Alex, do you think that maybe we underrated CONCACAF coming into the tournament? Because if we look at the performances so far, Canada looked great against Belgium. Uh, the U.S. so far has looked pretty solid, especially today against England. Mexico against Poland was pretty even game, and a lot of people were down on Mexico coming into the match. Is it possible we just underrated the entire CONCACAF coming into this tournament? Um, maybe to a degree. I mean, I was definitely down on the CONCACAF teams. I think that we're seeing though these concap teams are putting in are able to put in some good performances but maybe lacking the quality to do anything about it right like canada wasn't able to finish their chances mexico wasn't able to really create too much or finish their chances usa played a good game against england a 
again, could not create much, though. They don't have that striker. Costa Rica were abysmal. So to an extent, maybe we did. Like, you know, the tenacity is there, the ability to put in some good performances. But ultimately, I still think that we're looking at all four cap teams missing out on going to the knockout stages. Because, like, that you look at this USA-England result, I think this was – who is his best-case scenario for? This is best-case scenario for Iran. Because the U.S. still have to win now that last group match, which yeah. plays right into Iran's hands. That's exactly what they want. They want the USA to have to press. Do the USA have the quality to break them down? I don't think so. US, uh, Iran can hit back on the counter knowing that, you know, ultimately a draw probably gets them through. Because also now England can't just sit back and, and give this one to Wales. They need to be, you know, assertive and go out there and try and win the group. So this is really best case scenario for I- Iran. And I mean, if you have those tickets for them to get through, like, you know, maybe some of us do, um, I think you'd be <laughs> feeling pretty good about those right now. Yeah, it's a fair it's a fair point in the chat too from Amar about how they they have zero wins combined. They've scored just one goal. Uh, quality of competition matters though as well. If you do look at the fact that Canada's played Belgium, the U.S. has played England. Forget about Costa Rica. I'm not even going to consider them as, as as part of. They're probably the worst team in the entire tournament. So that skews things quite a bit. Um, I do go ahead, Jacob. Yeah, I just wanted to add on one more thing. I think U.S. played this as well as they could. A draw did literally nothing for them because they still have to win the last game. Granted, like they did everything they could, I think, to win the game today. They switched formations. They took away the passing outlets to England's midfield, which worked really, really well. I, I, I have, I, I have to get in here because I honestly cannot believe it took England sixty-six to like sixty-eight minutes to make a sub. First of all, I am dumbfounded that Phil Foden did not play in this game at any point. He should have come in before sixty genuinely like i i can't process it should have replaced sterling he absolutely should have replaced mount could have replaced sterling i dumbfounded that mount got 90 minutes as well just no words no words for this and that's would have liked to see you would have liked to see the u.s go for it a bit more right because what does a draw do other than like making people back home proud like that's all good stuff but like if you're gonna crash out of the group stage anyways like just you know what like be brave go for it um I just don't think they have the quality in the final third. It all sorts sort of lets them down. Even Pulisic, like he's able to sort of make things happen, but once it gets to that decisive moment, it just doesn't work. They haven't been able to, you know, find a striker who's going to sit in there, like with Sargent, right? Like it's just not happening for them. I'm just, I have no idea how they're going to score against Iran. So updated odds at Bet Fred to qualify from Group B. We have Iran at minus one twenty, the USA minus one ten. So basically a virtual coin flip at this point wow. in terms of which of those teams is going to qualify. So that will be an interesting. Uh, third match day in that group. Uh, I do want to move on to the weekend's games, guys, but I, I do want to give you a chance to uh, to go over anything else that you noticed today that's worth recapping, uh, something to keep an eye on going forwards. We'll start with you, Jacob. Uh, my biggest takeaway is I was sleeping on Ecuador. I was high on them going to the first game because I was so down in Qatar, but my goodness, they played Netherlands off the pitch today and completely deserved to win. I doubted a bit of the tactical sense going, really matching up formations with Netherlands, keeping wing back on wing back. But wow, Estupinian was phenomenal today. And they're clearly getting the goals. We are worried about them scoring goals this tournament. That's not been a problem when you have Ener Valencia. Hopefully he's fit <laughs> for that final game. But that's a better team than Senegal. And Alex said that before we started. But this, I think this is a better team than Senegal. And real shot in the final uh, match week or match day to get out of this group. If they finish second, they're going to give, and assuming England finish first, they're going to give them a very good game. 
They, I was I was down on them too. Like we talked they, about they that. They could win the group. Previous. Yeah, they could win the group. It's going to be tough though because like you think. I mean, like I, it's. I think a lot of people are going to be down on Netherlands right now, which is completely understandable. I know Rob, we talked about that earlier too. How you just haven't been impressed with them whatsoever. I don't think anyone could be impressed by what they've shown so far, but. I do think we'll see a bit of a different team. Van Hal is very good at changing things up tactically. I, this is usually a team under Van Hal that'll get stronger as the tournament goes on. So, you know, I, we're going to see Depay probably start that last match against Qatar. We're going to see them actually have support. Like, Klassen was not the right guy to start there. They finally brought Coop Miners in, which we wanted, but then you're taking Berghaus off. It just didn't make sense. So yeah. you're going to have to have take Bergvine off. He's done nothing so far. You're going to have Berghaus playing behind. Gakpo and Depay, and I think that we're going to see a much better performance. I think ultimately they will handle Qatar pretty easily and win the group. And then, but I mean, I just don't see any world in which Senegal gives Ecuador enough of a problem to get through there. So I felt that the the Netherlands two nil scoreline against Senegal in their first match was not indicative of how that match went altogether. Netherlands got a lot better when Memphis Depay came on as a substitute. It was around like 60th minute in that match, and they looked a little bit better. Today was. A horrendous performance yeah. like after the after the early goal they generated nothing for the rest of the match they were thoroughly outplayed substitutes didn't matter nothing changed I, i'm convinced that the, this is a pure listen i'm i'm not for those watching i am not the soccer fan that alex and jacob are um i follow a lot of italian soccer so on and so forth I'm very like reactionary. This is the the, the biggest recreational take you are going to see right now. I do not think it's a fore, foregone conclusion that Netherlands beats Qatar. I really don't. Honestly, there's something about the team that I just watched. They they do nothing. They, they generate are, nothing. They're almost minus six hundred to beat. We actually. I mean, so you're I, gonna. There, I. I will get off of this. I will go to bet Fred right afterwards, and I'm going to bet Netherlands not to qualify. At plus twenty five hundred, that would that would need a Senegal win and a Qatar win in ma- in the final match day. I think it's actually a possibility. Like maybe a parlay might actually get better odds. I'm not sure, but yeah, maybe maybe or maybe uh, Qatar has a better chance than Senegal does based on what we've seen so far. I'm, I, this is like the fade the Dutch bandwagon. I'm on right. Hashtag <laughs> fade the Dutch. Let's get it going. I want to be in on it. I, I don't know. They they, they actually, st- I didn't know the XG for the game today. I can't confirm if this is right. But it, is right. Says, it is right. It is correct. It is correct. It is correct. This is what it felt like to me watching the game today. Yeah. So. And, and they scored. I, <laughs> I think that, I think it, you have to put a little bit of this down to just tournament play. And the fact that they got such an early goal, which is a little bit unexpected, which it's easy then to be like, well, like realistically with the draw, we're in great position to advance here. You get that early goal. It's so easy to take your foot off the gas and sit back a little bit. And once you get into that spot, it's very hard to just flip a switch and turn it back on. Alex, you're very in tune with this Dutch team. Yeah. Do you feel like somehow scoring early derailed Van Hal's game plan? Yeah, I do. I very much do. I just... Strange as that sounds, right? Yeah, yeah. It's just... it. It was, I don't think it was expected at all. Um, and it, it just, yeah, it really kind of throws you off and how you're approaching things. Like you're completely getting away from your tactics at that point. You're, you're playing the game very differently at one nothing, knowing how big a point is in this game than you are at 0-0. And I think if it was 0-0 through like the first 30 minutes, you're going to see them control possession a lot more. Um, you're not going to see them invite that pressure on. And it just, it, things just got away from them. I mean, Rob, if Qatar beats 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Netherlands, man, I will be, I will be patting you on the back, congratulating you and everything. But like, you're looking at like Van Dyke, you know, Timber, and like Ake, that back line against Qatar. You know, I don't think Qatar have the pace to threaten them on the flanks. It's just, yeah. Listen, like I said, pure recreational, like reactionary take to what I've seen so far. But Qatar is not getting steamrolled either. Like no, the game against yeah. Ecuador. They didn't generate a lot against Ecuador, but they were probably unlucky to lose. What was it, two nil in that yeah. game? Yeah. Today's game, like they showed in the second half, they were moving forward. They had chances. They could have tied that match before they went down three three one. So, I mean, it's soccer. Like we saw, we saw Saudi Arabia beat Argentina, right? Like yeah. anything can happen. And to me, I've just been so like the Dutch have been extremely disappointing to me yeah, watching them through two games. They, and, Qatar were also incredibly unlucky in the sense that Senegal were creating nothing and they gifted them the opening goal, which changes oh, the game, right? So, like an absolute so gift. You just scuff the clearance and you just let them walk right in, score. Like, that changes the whole – I mean, who knows? Based on what we saw in the second half, Qatar easily could have gone on and potentially won this game. I'm not saying they would have, but, like, that changed everything, right? One missed kick of the ball, it just derails your entire <laughs> – your game, and it, it sucks, you know? we uh, on, They could have at least lost 2-1 for me. Just at least 2-1. <laughs> don't, don't, don't we see the storyline brewing right now? Like, Qatar's officially eliminated, right? They're, so they, they're not advancing to the, to the knockout rounds, but – if they beat the Netherlands in the final game, it's a win, man. It, the tournament yeah. is a success for Qatar, yeah. right? Yeah. The whole storyline is brewing. This is, this is, this is going to be in a movie this thirty years. Be, from this now. is going to be the Rob narrative bet. I, <laughs> I'm, I'm as fun as it is to talk about. Netherlands are winning that game. I'm sorry, Netherlands yeah. are winning that game. You're yes. Uh, listen, this is one of those. I get where, it. I get it. Yeah. This is my Skip Bayless moment, right? We'll forget about that. I even said this when Netherlands wins 5-0. Five, five but we'll game. clip the hell out of it if they win. <laughs> exactly. There's no downside to this. Um, yeah. No, but I actually seriously think that the Netherlands are overrated. That's all I'm getting at. Yeah. Uh, let's get into the weekend's games. So tomorrow we got Group C and we have Group D. Uh, odds courtesy of Betfred. Obviously, check out Betfred for all of your World Cup betting needs. Uh, Tunisia, Australia leading the day, 5 a.m. Eastern, Poland, Saudi Arabia, France, Denmark, um, probably the game of the day there, but Argentina, Mexico, tons of people going to be tuned into that one after Argentina gets upset in their first matchup. I'll start with you, Alex. Anything that's standing out to you for the Group C and D matchups tomorrow? Yeah, I'll have a couple plays tomorrow more more than likely. Um, first one will be on that 5 a.m. game or 3 a.m. game that it shows there in uh, Colorado, but the Tunisia to beat Australia. Uh, I think that Tunisia is a much better side. Kazri should be back is what it sounds like right now for that game. That'll help them in attack. Uh, I don't see Australia being able to pose any threat going forward. Um, I think this is a honestly a, a pretty routine win for Tunisia in that one. And then I'm looking at that France-Denmark game in that Denmark is a very good side. And, you know, we obviously are getting a little bit of a discount based on those opening match performances. I'm not taking too much of France slaughtering a bad Australia team. I think Denmark gets a result in that. Um, I'll probably be sprinkling a little bit on them to win that outright too. Jacob? Uh, Alex, 
is on the exact same page as me. I wouldn't say it's like an easy one for Tunisia here, but I think if Kazri plays against Denmark, that was the only player missing somebody with that final third pedigree because they had chances to win. So getting him back, and even if they don't, I think they take care of Australia. So I'm all over Tunisia to win. And my other play, same thing. I don't know if I'm going to put anything on Denmark to win, but on a handicap market, I think there's some great value on Denmark here because those prices, I don't think, reflect the two teams. Uh, So Tunisia, uh, sorry, Australia, excuse me, gave up over four expected goals to France, I believe, in in their first game and obviously gave up four actual goals as well. Now, granted, France is a little bit different in attack than Tunisia is, but I think Tunisia showed enough in their first matchup um, where they looked like, like... they gave Denmark a game, right? And I think Denmark is just up and down the, their roster with the exception of Skov Olsen, who I don't even know how that guy plays on a... This This is just my own personal opinion from watching that guy that play regularly. They have a pretty deep team, deep squad, and Tunisia gave him a battle. So I'm kind of with you guys on that one, and I'll join you on that. Uh, feels like Poland-Saudi Arabia is an under game to me in that hmm. Saudi Arabia is just parking the bus trying to scrape out another point. And Poland... Even though they have Lewandowski, they don't show enough. Like, I, there's something about that team that they struggle to generate chances consistently. I could see that being like a total bore of a game. I don't know if yeah. you guys agree with that. Yeah, this is the right sort of matchup for them in the sense where, like, Poland and qualifying, you'll see like they typically take care of the weaker teams. And, you know, because they're built to put Lewandowski up top, you know, put Milik up there with them, get Zielinski in behind them. And when they're able to actually just sort of camp out, not so much worry about, you know, playing in transition because they don't have the pace to play in transition, which kind of hurt them against Mexico. So I think this does actually kind of bode well for them, but we haven't seen, we haven't seen it from them at at the tournaments yet. And I'm just not willing to lay that price as much as, you know, as much as I need them to win for Poland to advance uh, futures right now. I think, I think that, yeah, it's a good matchup, but like it's a little bit rich for my blood. Yeah. Um, anything from just the group standpoint, like to watch going, I know we've, we've kind of talked about Denmark, right? We still think France is ripe for the picking a little bit just because, but you know, by virtue of having played Australia first, they're now going to have their tougher two matches coming up. I think I'm most interested to see how France performs in the final two games against Denmark and Tunisia, just to see where they're actually at, because Australia to me, like, you know, no offense to, to Australian fans and Australians out there, but they, they left a lot to be desired in, in that first match. Like, doesn't yeah. really look like a club that's... Uh, They're they probably going to lose three games, if I had to guess. We've also seen this from Tunisia at the World Cup before, where, like, they gave England a very good game in that first match in 2018. They ended up losing in, like, a 91st-minute goal, which could have happened against Denmark. So it was a very similar game in that sense. They tied... Uh, they lost 2-1. Um, and then, you know, they obviously got trounced by by Belgium, but then they're facing the weaker team in Panama, and they took care of business there. So I think it's just a similar scenario here where... They're going to put themselves in a position to have a chance to go through on that final match day by getting those three points. Argentina, Mexico, a lot of people will be tuned into that one. That's the late game tomorrow. Obviously, Argentina, it's a very important match for them. They're minus 200 to win uh, inside the 90 minutes in this one. Too steep of a price, or is that something that you guys are considering? I mean, obviously, we can look at all sorts of alternatives to get the price down on Argentina, whether that's playing them uh, first half and full time or playing a spread in the game as well. Uh, but is this a matchup where Argentina should get back on track, or do we have concerns about them going forwards against Mexico? Uh, I'll kind of start here. I think that Argentina are clearly the better team. It's a little too rich for me on this one for me to take here. And I think that. There's way too many narratives for this group. 
right now, any team can finish anywhere one through four. It There's a very real possibility the winner of this group gets five points. Saudi Arabia can draw the next two. And if Argentina don't win out, then they'll top. Mexico could top this group by drawing Argentina here and winning their next game. So this one, this one's a little bit too difficult for me to make out with that price. Uh, I, I have no strong side there. I'm, I'm not as down on Mexico as Alex is, but this is too difficult for me to pick out. Yeah, if you're going to be sitting around watching that game, which I think a lot of people are, and you want to have some money on it, I think my look here, my favorite look at least, would be Mexico not to score. So both teams to score no or the under, because, I mean, Argentina are still very strong defensively. They gave up two half chances in that game to Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia just somehow managed to to bury them, you know, finish their lives, full credit to them. But I don't think they're going to give up anything right now. It's whether can they break Mexico down? Can they, you know, pick out that decisive ball? Can they find their goals? I think they will. I, I like the both teams not to score, though. I think the like just based off the virtue of like where the standings are right now, Mexico draws Poland in game one. I think they're probably, this is a park the bus game for Mexico. I don't know if that's their style, but it feels like try to get a point because yeah. you have Saudi Arabia in your final game, right? And you take your chances there. And if you have to win by margin for goal differential, you just push in that final game. So it feels to me like that's what, you know, what I would do in this situation, or I think most coaches would do. It just doesn't seem to be the Mexican style of football. You know what I'm saying? Like, it'd be yeah. very weird to see Mexico play all out defense for 90 minutes. Yeah, I, I don't I just don't think they have the players to really rely on the counters like they've had in previous years with just tons of pace in the front three, usually a striker who can bury goals, whether it's been a Chicharito in past years. Jimenez, unfortunately, that injury seems like he's kind of past the level that he was with his first couple of scenes at Wolves where he was one of my favorite players. But, I mean, going back to Argentina's side, they didn't play that poorly against Saudi Arabia, like you said with the chances. I, I just pulled up the XG. Saudi Arabia's XG was 0.15. And they win 2-1. Argentina had over two expected goals. So it, it's hard to really be down on Argentina. But given just the situation where, yeah, a draw is more is probably more than enough for Mexico here to think they can go on and get out of this group. You, you could see a, a pretty low block from Mexico and just trying to hang on to it. So based off of the expected goals in that first matchup between Argentina and Saudi Arabia, if you were to simulate that out, Saudi Arabia would win that game one out of 200 times. Yeah. And they won the game. So yeah. I, I, I think that Argentina just got extremely unlucky. And that's what happens in sports sometimes. Like it just, you know. Yep. We're going to see a lot. Happen. We're going to probably see a lot of cards in this game as well. The uh, the shit house, <laughs> yeah. the shit houseery that is, uh, yeah. <laughs> that is come to, you know, fame in CONCACAF is going to be on full display for Mexico. Hey, more often. Argentina not exempt from that as well either. No, not at all. Not at all. And you know what? Especially if they're getting frustrated and they're not able to break them down and it's, you know, zero, zero going into like the hour mark, it's going to get, it's going to get a little bit heated. All right, guys, let's move over to Sunday. Uh, So we got group E and F on Sunday, first match of the day. Luckily, I'll be able to sleep through this one because I don't have too much interest. (laughs) I need to catch up on some sleep. These 5 a.m.s are killing me. Uh, Japan and Costa Rica. Then we have Belgium, Morocco, which I think is a sneakily very entertaining matchup. Croatia, Canada, that all three of us are Canadian, so we'll be in tune with that at 11 a.m. Eastern time, 9 a.m. Mountain. And then probably the game of the weekend, uh, be hard-pressed to say that it is, in Spain and Germany, two European powerhouses. Uh, Sunday's card, guys. I'll start with you, Alex. Anything that immediately pops uh, on the Sunday matchups? Yeah, uh, for me, it is Morocco. And I think that Morocco are going to get a result there and are very live to win that match. Um, 
you know, I'll probably take them on the handicap, you know, win or draw, and then also a little draw, no bet at decent plus money. Um, I think that Belgium just looked very poor. Um, and, you know, we've seen Roberto Martinez. He does not, uh, he does not stray from his game plan whatsoever. He doesn't like to change up his lineup too much. He's going to put the same guys in there. We're going to see the Vertongans. We're going to see the other wheels. We're going to probably see Dendonker in defense again. I'm not sure if he's going to put Teketelare in there. I don't think he will. Um, you know, De Bruyne looked really bad. And Morocco is just, Morocco's able to defend well. And we saw how, you know, combative they were in midfield in that first match. And they pose a very real threat on the counter. I think that they're very live to win this game. I've just have not been impressed whatsoever by Belgium. I think they're right for the picking. Jacob? I mostly agree with that. I'm I'm not sure if the price is necessarily right for me to take this one. I was kind of hoping Belgium would be steeper favorites here, but that one is a lean for sure. One I'm more focused on. I was lower on Spain going into this tournament than I was on Germany. And what I was most looking forward to after that match day was how upgraded Spain were going to be in the market and how downgraded Germany were going to be. Because I think there's a good a good spot here on Germany in some capacity. I uh, haven't decided specifically how I want to approach it here. If I want to take Germany to win, if I want to take the handicap here, but I am very likely going to have some investment into Germany getting a result in some capacity. So Spain did not give up any XG to Costa Rica. Granted, that's Costa Rica, so you can kind of dismiss that. Germany was pretty unlucky in their loss to Japan. Uh, based off of expected goals. They did dominate for large parts of that game. They just couldn't finish. And was, then all of a sudden, Japan got some chances, and boom. It was, it third was third highest XG of all time, according to Paul yesterday, in a loss. Mm-hmm. Correct. And I believe Canada's fourth of yes. all time yes. in, yes. in a yeah. loss as well. Yeah. So we got both those teams off of, um, you know, ma- first matchups where they got unlucky uh, from the XG side of things. Honestly, what pops to me is just a, a recreational is the Spain-Germany draw getting like basically five to two plus 255. Um, I was higher on Spain going into the tournament uh, purely because of, I thought they were very unlucky in the Euros, um, losing to Italy in the semifinals. I thought they actually had a really good tournament. Ultimately, I think what was Spain's Achilles heel in that tournament, and you wouldn't, you know, they scored seven goals in their first match. So it's hard for me to say that scoring is going to be a problem for them, but they don't really have a true striker, like a true out and out, you know, Big target in the middle. Uh, they brought Morata off the bench last week in, in a substitute role. I'm trying to remember who was playing up front. The front three was Ferrant. Asensio was playing as a false nine, I believe, yeah. in, in that match. So, you know, I think that could work for them against some teams, but I do think that they're going to struggle to finish chances in a, in a lot of these games as they get further and further from goal, not having someone directly there. So that's what stands out to me there. I'm, I'm, I'm very interested, though, in, and I think a lot of Canadians would be interested in how you guys would break down Croatia and Canada. Canada, impressive first performance against Belgium. They lose 1-0. There's all sorts of, uh, uh, let's say, you know, press clippings that the Croatians will be using to their advantage after <laughs> head coach uh, John yeah. Herdman of Canada uh, famously ran onto the field and said that they're going to F Croatia in, uh, in their next match. Do you guys buy into that at all? Uh, break down the matchup. I'm curious what you guys think about Croatia and Canada on Sunday morning. We'll start with you, Alex. It's going to be a fun game. This is going to be a really fun game. I'm not going to have a bet on it. Um, 
I, I don't. I think John Herman. That's the type of thing. Like you, you say that to the team, you get them fired up. I think he's a great motivator. There's literally no need to go to the press and say that. And now that being said, everyone, it's, I think it's being blown a little bit out of proportion. Like, oh my god, why you got to fire up Croatia even more? It's like, guys, it's the World Cup. Like, I think they're <laughs> going to be pretty fired up. Like, I think they're going to want to win this game regardless. Um, it's going to be it's going to be fun. Canada is good. It's going to be a different game for Canada in the sense that they're not going to see nearly as much as the ball uh, of the ball as they did in the first game. I'm a little bit worried about how you know, the intensity of that first game and, you know, the amount of running they put in with this short turnaround now, like what's their fitness going to be like? Are they going to be able to kind of sit there and compete and for, you know, for 90 minutes? Croatia, though, they don't have the attacking quality that really scares me. Um, it's I think there's such a wide range of outcomes in this game. It's just not one I'm looking to bet. I'm just going to kind of sit back and cheer Canada on here. On my side of things, my my big worry from that performance, as as good as it was from Canada, is that we've kind of shown Croatia our hand a little bit. And another concern for me is that we've also shown the betting markets our hand because coming into the tournament, I thought Canada were definitely underrated. I was on the plus one as Alex was in that can- in Canada's first game, the opener against Belgium. Got the push, but I mean, really should have won based on the way the game went. It is what it is that those sort of things happen here. I feel like the price is pretty sharp on this one. So I don't think there's really any meat on the bone here. They've downgraded Croatia. They've really upgraded Canada. That being said, from a fan perspective watching this game, Canada definitely have the tools to hurt Croatia. As good as they were against Belgium, some individual performances, which we spoke about with Davies and David, we thought could have been quite a, quite a bit better, to say the least. So Nothing really impressed me about Croatia from that first game. And Canada's tactics are very high press, high energy. So it's easy to get deflated after playing so well and losing to Belgium. So John Herman going to the press there is a way I think of him just getting all the players psyched up again. Because it's easy going into your first game. It's really easy to get you know, your first World Cup since 86. All these players have done so much. It's easy to get fired up for that game. It's really hard to reignite that for the second game. So... Part of what John Herman is doing there is just trying to make that happen. And and can uh, Croatia really has the quality in midfield to pick you apart if you're pressing and you're not quite at the level you need to be at when you're pressing. You know, maybe the legs just aren't there. Croatia mm-hmm. will pick you apart. So yeah. I, that, going into the tournament, I thought Croatia would be a very very tough matchup for Canada because of the quality of the midfield. Yes. Um, yeah, and. I will say, after watching one Croatia match, it was a, honestly one of the more boring matches of the tournament, I thought, against Morocco. Yep. I thought Croatia was extremely slow. And after watching Canada, Canada was granted, like, they put, you know, they emptied the tank in that first match. And you could see over the course of the last 20 minutes, they just didn't have much left. But I, I think they can create just based off of their speed. I just wonder, you know, De Bruyne missed some, very easy passes in the counter attacks uh, made made like you don't see that out of Kevin De Bruyne too often. Ever. I don't see the Croatian midfield missing too many, uh, you know, of the easy passes in the counter attack. So um, while Croatia's game was like a, a snoozer, first one, Canada couldn't score. I wouldn't be surprised if this is like a sneaky over game. Um, maybe I'm just too optimistic about, you know, got too optimistic about the first Canada matchup, but I think Croatia can really thread the passes that will pick apart the Canada defense. I also think the Canadian speed will give the Croatian defense a little bit of issues. Yeah. The only thing is with how wide open this group is, especially if Morocco were to get a result against Belgium earlier, 
if this goes like 30, 40 minutes without a goal, it's going to be very tense where like, you know, a loss is so detrimental and a draw will keep you alive into the final match day. So things could get a little, which is the same thing with the, what you were saying with that Spain and Germany draw bet. This is actually like a must win game for Germany, right? So like the draw is kind of a little bit, it's the opposite of that Croatia thing where like the draw does no favors to Germany, where if they're tied, like, you know, 70 minutes left, they're going to just throw everything forward. And they have no choice to do that because you're basically out with, because, you know, Spain's getting the results they need. Uh, at the end of the day, and Japan's going to beat Costa Rica tomorrow. So a, a draw eliminates you. So like into that 70th minute mark, Germany start throwing everything forward. Maybe Spain get one on the break or maybe Germany find the winner. It's, you know, kind of the opposite situation here in Canada and Croatia, where like the longer this goes on, I don't think you're going to see either team be too adventurous to try and push for that winner. For me, the dart of the weekend <laughs> is going to be Japan to win exactly 2-0 at plus 500 against costa rica <laughs> i don't think costa rica is scoring a goal in this tournament so you could probably play two nil and three nil i i i feel confidently i mean it, it's tough to say because they played spain but they couldn't string two passes together in that game i just don't see costa rica scoring goals unless maybe they get like a set piece or something like that in their pool and japan japan a very respectful nation not one to run up the score uh when things get late i actually didn't <laughs> that was not my angle but oh sure. you need to take all these angles into play here <laughs> yeah fair enough i mean you gotta you gotta you value everything um all right monday we won't be on air till after monday uh actually nolan says this just bet japan to nil at plus 110 I think that's a good bet, probably. Yeah, I, yeah, I like that is. look as well. Yeah, that's he called it a a smasher. I would call it a banger, <laughs> big big bomb, big bomb banger. Uh, all right, open up that Fred once more for the Monday matchups. Uh, Cameroon, uh, Serbia leading off the day. Serbia will be glad they don't have to see Brazil again. Um, that was a rough one. South Korea, Ghana, uh, Brazil, Switzerland without Neymar, uh, by the way, who's been ruled out for the rest of the group stage, and Portugal-Uruguay. Uh, I'll start with you, Jacob, here. Anything that stands out to you on the Monday card? I'm going to be looking to play Serbia in some capacity here. I think that, I mean, they played against Brazil. I don't think the the books have downgraded them at all based on that performance here, but me and Alex are quite high on them. And after Switzerland took care of business against Cameroon, it's, it's not quite a must-win game. You can draw here. Brazil beats Switzerland, and you have to beat Switzerland on the final day. But it's, it's a really good opportunity for Serbia, I think, to get ahead in the goal difference department towards Switzerland. Switzerland only wins 1-0. They got the result they needed. But I'm going to try to play Serbia in some capacity here. And I'm also looking at South Korea. I had them on the double chance against Uruguay. I was probably higher on them than the books which just come into this tournament. The way Ghana played, I think South Korea have enough to expose the back line. And defensively, I think they're organized enough to... to I know Ghana scored twice and nearly scored three times against Portugal. But I, I don't think they honestly showed too much creativity in the final third. Mm -hmm. Alex, yeah, thoughts? Uh, yeah, uh, Ghana defended pretty well against Portugal early on in that game before being undone by that brutal penalty which we talked about but yeah. this is the case of Ghana now having to commit more bodies forward knowing that like okay like this is our chance to go in and get a win and we need we basically need something you know positive very positive from this game to get through this group so I think we're going to see them be a little bit more adventurous in South Korea such a well-organized side I don't think Ghana are going to have as much success breaking them down 
and South Korea going forward will have enough to get through this Ghana defense. And I do like South Korea at that price quite a bit. Serbia, I have enough riding on them to get out of this group that if they do not beat Cameroon, I will be absolutely miserable. So I am not going to have to add more to my position here. Um, one of my favorite looks for Monday, though, is the draw in that Portugal-Uruguay game. Again, it's a little bit narrative but this is tournament play at its finest. This is where Portugal, a draw suits them very well. A loss is very detrimental to Uruguay. I think they definitely definitely have enough, especially in midfield with, you know, Bentancur and um, Valverde to, you know, slow Portugal down. They're going to be, you know, well-structured, well-organized, hard to break down. Do they provide enough of a threat going forward? Not necessarily, but this has draw written all over it. It's just, it's, it's one of those results that works in both teams' favor with Uruguay knowing they can probably go into that last match and beat Ghana and, you know, get through the group with five points. So I really like the look of the draw there. So one of the do- most disappointing things for me, um, or one of the most disappointing teams in their first match was Uruguay against South Korea. I thought they were pretty miserable. Uh, I agree exactly with what you said, Alex. They have two very good, you know, midfielders in form right now. You could argue probably top 20 midfielders in the world just based off the way that they're playing yeah. heading into the World Cup. And they just struggled to generate anything. Um, Suarez was invisible when he was in there. They brought in Cavani as a substitute later on in the match. Give him a little bit of life. He was just like a, a, more of a target, I guess, up front. But they really didn't generate much. And uh, Portugal, to me, I, I feel like they're just a class above Uruguay based off what I've seen so far. I get your points about the tournament play, though. I think that's something to consider. But uh, I think Portugal is is a – I don't even want to call it – they're not a dark horse because they're among the favorites to win the World Cup. But I think that they're actually better than people even give them the credit for. Yeah, I think – so go ahead, Jacob. Go ahead. I was going to say, I think for this one, I'd have to see the lineups before I make any wages on it. If Uruguay go with a 4-4-2, then I think I'd upgrade them compared to the market. But if Portugal go with a 4-3-3 and start Leal on one of the wings, then I'd have to upgrade Portugal as well. So if I see Portugal going with the line, the same lineup they brought against Ghana and Uruguay swap formations, then I'd probably lean that way. And vice versa, if Portugal bring out the right lineup and Uruguay don't again and play Nunes on the wing, who looked like probably their most lively player other than Valverde, then I'd probably have to go with Portugal. So I'd have to wait and see. I'll say this as someone who watches a lot of Serie A soccer, watching Leao come off the bench is like absurd to me. I, I, I can't oh, yeah. even fathom how he's not in the starting lineup for them. I, I don't I don't understand. Um, Agreed. He should be. He needs to be. That's he scored. Yeah, I, I think the goal should get him in that starting lineup. Yes. The goal well also taken goal. The goal also potentially should have been reviewed. Weirdly, no var check. It was a little bit strange. I yes. don't think it was offside. It was very close. You would have liked to see that. You know. I don't. Give me I that. Give me was. that line. Give me that line. I, I, Let me see his like the skin of his elbow a little bit past the last <laughs> defender or something. <laughs> Oh man, some of these VAR reviews will drive me insane though. Yeah. It's 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 crazy. Um I was just sorry to interrupt Rob, but I was stunned that Qatar did not get a VAR review on that p- penalty shout in the first half. That was I don't think that was a penalty to be fair cuz like he didn't even make an attempt to shoot it. He knew what he was doing the whole time. He could have sold that a little bit better if he wanted the penalty, but like it's in Qatar, we don't even get a review like just to the decency of like going to VAR there. Like it just, it, I was stunned. I was stunned. They I don't even need the ref to go to the monitor. I, I just like seeing like in the top corner, it says yeah. under review or like the, the commentators say VAR having a look at this, whatever. Like, cause it just feels like, and, and I think there was the Canadian one where Larea 
I don't. I, I don't. I thought that was a 50-50 call, but then I saw the Ronaldo penalty, and then I all of a sudden thought, okay, if that's a pen, then Larea easily should have had a look. But they like there wasn't even like just something saying that. I I just feel more at peace knowing they they looked in depth to it. You know what I mean? Well, this, is why, it all. this is why there's so many people though that that do soccer betting or so, bet soccer, I should say, based off of uh, referee handicaps, right? Because at the end of the day, it's still the referee that has the decision. He's going to go over. He's going to take a look at it. And I would bet strongly that there'd be a lot of refs out there that saw Richie Larea's foot get stepped on and him oh. go down in the box. I would have ruled a penalty just because there was contact um, and that ref did not. So I think that's kind of like one of the hidden aspects of wagering on soccer. I do notice that when referees are announced, there are line moves based off of that. So that's something to take into account as well. Before we wrap this up, guys, I just want to get your thoughts on Brazil going forwards. Uh, I'm curious how you guys think that they will line up without Neymar there uh, because they have like a ridiculous amount of talent that can get it. I, I'm, <laughs> I was looking at the players that didn't get into the game last match. And I'm like, Oh my God. And like, it, it, it's absurd. Um, how do you see them lining up without Neymar going forwards? Do you think it's actually a factor against Switzerland or do they just have too much depth that it's, I mean, it, it doesn't really make a meaningful impact. Uh, I guess I'll go here. Uh, it's, it's pretty seamless here. I, I think the manager could basically close his eyes, spin in a circle and point at somebody on the bench. He'd come in, they'd still win this game. Obviously not quite to that degree, but there are they are spoiled. There are, there are so many options here. They could the way they play such flu there's such fluidity in possession here that they could bring in any of their attacking players. Like they could bring in Gabriel Jesus and move somebody else into the ten role. They could bring in Rodrigo here. Martinelli could come in. There are just so many choices, and I just don't think there's a way you can get it wrong, to be honest. Yeah, the, and the other thing, I think, honestly, Neymar wasn't the most impressive in that first match. The thing that concerns me a little bit more is Danilo was also ruled out for the rest of the group stage, and that's the one area of Brazil squad where they're a little bit thin. Um, you know, so I don't know if that means they're going to have to force, like, they don't have many options at, at fullback. Are they going to have, you know, um, Telez or Sandro play on their offside, or are they going to bring in, like, 40-year-old Danny Alves. Alves. Like, I'm not sure what they're going to do there. So that's actually a bigger concern for me because, like you said, an attack, pick pick your, you know, pick your pick your poison. I have a question. So obviously, I think that's an area of concern as well. I wasn't, I was not impressed with Vargas at all in the first game from Switzerland. Yeah. What do you think the best way for Switzerland to exploit maybe one weakness that this team has at right back? They don't have the, they don't have the pace to to really right. threaten too much. Like, I don't think that it, that's the thing. I don't think it poses too much of a problem against Switzerland because Switzerland are at their best when they're kind of building through the center. Um, I mean, is Shakiri going to go out wide and, you know, take on like Shakiri doesn't necessarily have that threat. He can put in a great ball, but is he going to really like scare you on the break? You know, they're going to have support back. I don't think this is too big of a problem against, uh, against Switzerland. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this. If, if your your starting wingbacks are Juventus's starting wingbacks, you got some real problems. Yeah. <laughs> because I'm a Juve fan. I'll tell you from experience. Like, if I was designing a game plan to go after Brazil, I would circle Alexandro and be like, we are, this is the guy. Like, we're, I, I don't even, I don't care if Danny Alves comes in at right back. I don't care who the right back is. It doesn't matter. Alexandro is the guy that I'm going after. He's been honestly extremely mediocre for years now. Um, I was surprised. I, I was. I'm surprised that he's the starting left back for Brazil. I don't know enough to know who else are the options there. 
and I was surprised that he ripped the shot right off the post last year. It was like <laughs> yeah. the first time I've ever seen him do that. Um, and he almost, that was a, I mean, a wicked shot that he caught there, but yeah. Um, the, so, um, sorry, go ahead, Jacob. I, I was going to say one way I think that Switzerland should exploit this is I spoke yesterday or was it a few days ago? I didn't like how Mbolo looked back to goal. So I'd love to see him facing the net and playing on one of the wings and really trying to take on either of the fullbacks here. So instead of him having to lay off and maintain possession here, give him the ball, let him take one of these guys on. I think that's an area where they can exploit Brazil. Yeah, and and put Okafor up there with him. Yeah, I would I, think that, I would probably I start Okafor have to in this that. one. Um, and the, the thing about Brazil, we talked about their fullbacks, but like they support each other so well that it's hard to even expose their weaknesses because there's always that support there. So, I mean, it'll be fun when Canada, you know, uh, makes it out of the group and eventually <laughs> faces Brazil in the quarterfinals. And uh, you have Davies and, you know, Davies and uh, David and Buchanan going up against those fullbacks. That then that's when we'll see it exploited. Yeah, I mean. Fingers crossed. I would love to see Canada oh, in the knockout round. Also, for now, for Brazil, Alex Chandra's is not great going forward. He's a sound defender. We can, get, I think, we give him credit for that. Danilo as well is 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 good enough there. Danilo's been Danilo's actually been quite good for since coming over to Juve. Like obviously they lost that swap with with Jao Cancelo going to Man City. They lost it the second it happened. No, for I sure. Believe it. I, I, but but they you know they needed capital at the time. Danilo has been very fine. They use him as a right back. They sometimes use him as a center back. Right. He's been okay. But that, that's what I'm getting. Is, they're 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 sound defensively. Yeah. And when you have that going forward, you don't need the overlapping fullbacks. You, you can keep those guys just as support roles when they when those guys need it. It, it. That team is just that good. Maybe deeper in the tournament when things are getting taken away, is that more of a concern? Definitely. For now, I, I not too much of a worry, as we've said. All right. That's going to do it for Five Margins here on The Hammer, presented by Betfred Sportsbook. Again, if you do enjoy the content, please subscribe. And smash that like button on YouTube. If you're watching on Twitter, consider hopping over to YouTube, subscribing as well. We will have more content weekdays, 4.15 p.m. Eastern time throughout the World Cup. We will be back on Monday. For those of you asking about Adrian, the drunken goon, he is in Qatar right now. He's enjoying the World Cup. He will be back towards the end of next week as well. And we have uh, some new faces that we're going to mix in over the course of the next week. Appreciate everyone tuning in. Happy Thanksgiving to our American followers. We will be back next week on the Hammer Betting Network. Everyone, enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the World Cup action. 